I'm going to be speaking on, on praying in tongues this morning. Um, I'm just going to actually pray in tongues for an hour and then someone else will interpret. Um, I'll just save a bit of time. Not really, but I could, but I won't. Um, but it's one of those ones, it's kind of a topic that um, I think has, um, it was lost for a long time in the church. And I think even as it's been restored, it's kind of been pocketed uh, to be something that kind of the, you know, the Pentecostals or the Charismatics do. Um, but really, it's a, it's a gift for the body of Christ. It's, a, it's an intimacy gift. And I think it's something that's really important that we, where it's not restored, that we um, are in... Uh, are encouraging its restoration, okay? It's not the ultimate thing, even as Paul uh, would, would reveal uh, in, in chapters in 1 Corinthians, it's not the ultimate thing, but it is a hugely important thing. And with uh, this sense of a real shift of seasons for us as a church, um, and I think really birthed out of the, the Kingdom Shift Conference that we had a few weeks ago, um, just, there's just been a, a, a shift uh, um, I don't know who else has sensed it, but uh, yeah, at, at a church level, lots of different people that I'm talking to. Um, again, I'll ask: is, Have people been having more dreams in the recent, in the last recent couple of months? Yeah, a few people. Anyone ha- been having more kind of crazy demonic attack, particularly at night time? Anyone else? Yeah, a few people. Yeah, so it's okay. Sometimes, yep. Sometimes there's a heightened warfare to come against what God's doing. Sometimes it's actually just an opening up uh, of our ability to see what's actually going on. Uh, so Paul says in Ephesians, you know, the, our, the battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Yeah, so there's, there's things that are going on constantly in the airwaves around us um, with the angelic and the demonic and the work of God that we are completely unaware of. So sometimes as well, God just awakens us with a see, a gift, an ability to see what is going on in the spiritual realm, okay? And it is highly important because that's where the battle is fought. So as, as well, in this, as this shift of season comes, it's, right, it's important that we rightly use the gifts that God has given us in this season. And I just feel like this gift of praying in tongues um, just has a, a significance for the season as well, that we have a heightened um, focus on, on doing this. And so I'll get into uh, to more of that. So from Rachel's um, sermon last Sunday, who enjoyed that? Yes, who thinks she should preach much more often? Yes, okay, finally. No pressure, no expectation. Um, but, but one of the themes that she kind of drew out is, is as we've done and really had a, a, an intentional season of, of developing the heart, and this is not something go, oh, we did that season, so now we move on, but it's a, it's a really developing, bringing maturity to a focus on the ministry of the heart, okay? Because that's where out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, guard your heart for out of it springs, you know, it's the wellspring of life coming out of the heart. So it's so important, but not to lose the, that dynamic of the, the spiritual reality of our journey with God. So engage not just fully with a heart journey, but also a spirit journey. So we are, uh, the Bible talks about in First Thessalonians that we are spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so people would argue different parts. Some would say we're, we're, we're body and we're soul and spirit are one. Um, I believe scripturally, and I, I could preach a whole other sermon on it or several that we are, we are three parts, but we're not three disconnected parts. So we're not spirit on its own and heart on its own and body on its own. It's those things meshed together that make up the whole. But it's important to recognize that at some level we are, we are a spirit being. We have a spirit. Okay? So tongues, what are tongues? Who has never heard someone speak in tongues or pray in tongues before? 
Now, we've all experienced it in some way. I remember the first time I ever heard someone pray in tongues. I was at a Hillsong conference in 2002, and uh, they had a so massive stadium, like 17,000, 18,000 people at the time, and they were like, oh, pray for people. And so there was a lady behind me, and she started praying in tongues. I was like, oh. That's so cool, because like, I was kind of intrigued by, you know, by, by spiritual things. And, and that, I remember the first prophetic word that she, uh, that this lady spoke over me. And so I was just pondering on it yesterday. It's like, oh, cool, I remember my first prophetic word. Um, but it was at that time as well, which I first received uh, the gift of tongues. So I went forward for prayer and I'd been encouraged by different people, you know, kind of what it can look like and how it can come. And so, uh, so I went forward at a moving in the spirit stream and, and received it. But, but again, it wasn't something that I really nurtured because I didn't know the importance of it. I thought it was, it was a good thing, um, but it was just kind of, you know, every now and then, maybe in a heightened time of worship where, where I would pray out in tongues. Um, so tongues is essentially a Holy Spirit-inspired, unintelli- unintelligible language. Okay, so to the natural mind, the natural mind doesn't have the ability to understand what tongues are. Okay? Now, our spirit can understand them. God can understand what's, what's being prayed. Uh, the angelic, I believe, can understand what's going on. Somebody can have the ability to interpret what's going on. Okay? But our natural mind, when, we're, when you're praying in tongues, your natural mind is not engaged in the process. They've actually done, I've seen a, a, a little mini documentary they did where they hooked people up to like probes on the brain and they got someone to pray um, in, in their native language and, and the mind, you know, was engaged and they got them to pray in tongues and all of the brain activity kind of diminished, okay? Which is not to say that charismatic people don't use their brain, okay? So script that out. It's just when you're praying in tongues, your mind is unfruitful. Paul even talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians. So it's spirit-inspired. It's kind of like, I like to think of it as your spirit praying to God. Okay, so in, in, a, in a heavenly kind of language. So we see it prophesied in Mark 16, 17. And Jesus said, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. Now, if you're talking to somebody who doesn't believe in maybe in gifts today, so they're what is called a cessationist, or there may be somebody who doesn't believe in things like prophecy or tongues, uh, and you will quote that scripture, and they will say, well, in some of the older manuscripts, uh, Mark 16, 17 isn't there. Okay, so that's one perspective. Um, but the reality is then, well, why is it? But it's still in the Bible, okay? So it's, it's there, and it's important, and it happened all throughout. So you can't discount that based on all of the other New Testament experiences and examples of that. So that's just a little side note. So I want to give you a couple of keys this morning as well, because you will come up against people who will say, it's not for today, and, uh, and, it's, and, and come up with a whole lot of reasons not to do it, and I want to give you some, uh, some helpful answers for them. Because again, Praying in tongues is not, doesn't make you a super Christian, okay? But it is a beautiful gift that God gives to the church for particular purposes. And if we're removing it, then we're, we're missing out on something, okay? So then we have Acts 2. And it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so the Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing wind into this room. Okay, and they all start, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, 
and they start speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them up. So it wasn't just like a total like slosh fest, everyone going crazy. It was as the Holy Spirit would just, someone would then, a tongue would come out and they would start speaking in the tongues and then kind of someone else or maybe a few people at a time. And it says, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Okay, that happened to be there at the same time. And at the sound, a multitude came together and they were bewildered. So this was a significant enough sound that it actually drew a crowd of people. And each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language? It goes to a list there of all the different ones. And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But then others mocked, saying they were filled with new wine. Then Peter stands up and says, Look, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Um, they haven't been drinking any wine. This is the Holy Spirit. And then 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. Okay? But this is the first time that we see the gift of tongues released. But it's also the only instance that I can find where they are speaking in an intelligible language that someone else can understand with their natural ears. Okay? So they're speaking in, you know, uh, what are some of the ones? They're speaking in Phrygian and Pamphylian and Egyptian and Libyan and Cyrenian, I don't know, I'm just making up languages here. But they were speaking in ways, and part of this, I think, is a, is a prophetic declaration of the coming together of the nations. Okay, so the outpouring of the Spirit was not just for the Jewish people, but it was for all nations, because it says all nations were together. And we've got, we see at the Tower of Babel, where God scatters out, and, and they could say, you know, part of, this is the number 70 that we see, or 72 sometimes. So Jesus sends out the 70 in Luke 10, uh, we've got, they reckon that like 70 different language groups were first birthed out of the Tower of Babel. So there's a prophetic significance throughout the scriptures of the gospel coming to the nations. Jesus says, you, you know, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, so even some of the significance that there were men from every nation. Every nation under heaven was there at that time. Okay, so I think there's something significant about that. It's a prophetic declaration of the Holy Spirit is being poured out for all nations. Even as it is prophesied earlier on, you know, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay, So understand, so put that in that pocket over here, the first instance of tongues. And as far as I can see in the scriptures, the only instance where it is for people to hear in their own native language. Now, I've heard stories of even in more recent times, someone will go out to a remote village um, and they don't know the language and they'll stand up in the, in the middle of the town and start speaking in tongues and they're speaking in this native language. Okay, and people come to faith in Jesus. I don't know how they tell, but they clearly do. But uh, so that's you know, it does happen today. <clears throat> but there's something then, then a shift out of that time as to the role of speaking in tongues. So another uh, reality of tongues were a sign of the Holy Spirit falling on people. I'll just say as well, while I think about it, this might be something that you've heard lots of times. And you're like, yeah, I, I speak in tongues. I, I understand we do all that sort of stuff. Um, but really, I just want to kind of hone in on some of the significance of it and how we can utilize it rightly. So tongues were a sign of the Holy Spirit falling on people. Was this Acts 10.44? While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? 
who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain for some days. So this is eight chapters on, and it's many years on from that first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So again, the Jewish people thought Jesus came for us and the gospel is for us and we will remain as the Jewish nation now with Jesus as the Messiah. Okay. And they, that was just their mindset. That's all they understood. So even with this prophetic reality that all of these different people from all the nations are there, okay, they were Jews from every nation, they still thought, but the Holy Spirit is just for the Jewish people. And now they have this experience where he's preaching and then all of a sudden the same things must have started happening that happened back at the original baptism. Okay, so there was what it says, they were speaking in tongues, they might have been falling over laughing and like they're drunk. You know, has anyone ever seen a drunk person before? Okay, they're not, you know, they're like there's, there's certain things that come out of that. There's, there was a physical manifestation of that reality of the Spirit being poured out upon them. And so they said, holy moly, that same thing that happened to us is now happening to these people. They had no theological framework that would say that the, the Holy Spirit or Jesus was the Messiah of all people. And so from this, this actually, this experience formed their theology, okay? Now then, many years later on, when Paul comes on the scene and he writes in, uh, in, like in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, where he talks about this revelation that he gets, that actually the, the promises from God are for all people, not just for the Jewish people, okay? So it's years on that they get this kind of revelation. But they see it there and they're like, man, this, I think the Holy Spirit is for the Gentiles too, the non-Jewish people. So, and part of that baptism in the Spirit was them speaking in tongues and praising God. So tongues can come before or after water baptism. This is again a bit further on, Acts 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, so these were people who believed in Jesus. They, were, they had already acknowledged, yes, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the one who has come to give us salvation. Okay, and yet they'd had no experience. They'd never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so they come to them and said, you know, well, were you baptized? And they're like, no, we'd never heard of it. Okay, so they get baptized in the name of Jesus and then they lay hands on them and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So again, a whole nother sermon that I could preach is on the role and the function of the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. Some people will say there is no subsequent baptism. So you're either, you receive Jesus, you receive the whole thing. Um, some would say, no, you, you receive Jesus and, you, and he comes and indwells you, but there's something of when he comes upon you. Um, very briefly, I would say Jesus' experience, I would say when he was born, he was filled with the Spirit, do you think? Okay, I mean, he kind of was the Spirit of God in a sense, okay? But when he's baptized, at his baptism, his water baptism, it says the Holy Spirit came and descended on him like a dove, okay? So the word baptized means to fully immerse one thing in another thing. 
Okay, so if you go and jump in the ocean, you're being baptized. You're fully immersed in the water in that way. And so Jesus has a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and immerses him. And from that point on, his ministry begins. Jesus says to the disciples, Jesus says to the disciples, um, do not leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you in power. Okay, so at that point as well, he had already in John 17, it says that he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So they had, they believed in Jesus. They saw the cross, they experienced the resurrection, they spent all of that time. And Jesus says, what's really important is you don't do anything and don't take the gospel to the nations until the Holy Spirit has come upon you in power. Okay, so they experienced in a subsequent baptism of the Spirit. My experience was that, okay? I, I believed in Jesus. I've, I was in full-time ministry, <laughs> and I received a subsequent baptism. Now, I don't know all of the ins and outs and the workings of how the spirit realm kind of works. Maybe I got filled once, and I got filled a bit more, and then it came to overflowing or whatever. I just know for me, there was an experience that I had where the power of God came upon me in a new way and enabled me to engage in prayer in a way that I never had before, to, to, to minister the power of God in, in a whole lot of different ways, okay? So people, yeah, people have different experiences. I know people who, they, didn't, they weren't praying for it and literally the Holy Spirit just fell on them in a worship time and they got up and started speaking in tongues, you know? So different things happen. There's different ways of it happening. It can be before, after. It could be right at that moment of salvation that God just breaks in, and, and it happens. I don't really care about the method. For me, my concern is for people is that you, you pursue it and go after it and have an expectancy that God will release it upon you. Now, I know people who have prayed for a long time and they haven't received it. I don't know why that's the case, but I would say keep on praying, keep on pursuing. All right. So there's now... Um, there is a difference between praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, okay? So now a lot of people will come up with the argument to say, when you're gathered together, you shouldn't speak in tongues, okay? Because then people, an unbeliever could come in and they'll be confused. And I'm going to nail some of these things um, to the cross maybe. Um, but I'm just gonna, we're just going to nail some of these things because it's really important to have a sensible biblical argument Okay, when it comes to these things, because I can understand people's concerns, but they're not actually reading the fullness of the scriptures when they are making up these arguments. Okay, um, and I find it interesting, you know, we're okay. Some people are okay with believing that God is a spirit. Okay, the Bible is very clear. God is spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know that verse, okay? So he is a spiritual being. Now, he was manifest in the flesh in Christ, but he is now, Jesus ascended to heaven. He is a spiritual being, okay? So we're okay with God being spirit, okay? Then we're thankful for God in the revealed word in the scriptures, okay? That we can experiencing him that, we can know him through that. It can give us revelation, okay? So we're okay with God being spirit. We're okay with the revelation of God in the Bible, but some people then struggle with the manifestation of God's Spirit in any other place apart from the Bible. Okay, so when we see the power of God come, when people fall over, when people are praying in tongues, when people are prophesying, that is what makes then people uncomfortable. Okay, but for me, it's like if God is Spirit, then He's going to do things that are outside of your realm of understanding, outside of your natural experience. He's, he's going to bypass your brain to do things because He is free to do whatever He wants and He is spirit, okay? So it's this kind of weird thing. Oh, I can believe that God is spirit. 
And I can believe that God, you know, the God of the Bible, and I can, I can read all of these crazy, whacked-out things that happened all throughout the Bible, okay? But happening today, oh, no, no, that, that makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm like, but we've got, to, we've got to get past this thing because otherwise we're going to miss the very outpouring of God that He wants to release because our minds get offended with how He does it. All right, so the purpose of praying in tongues... Um, should I go? I'll talk about this now. Okay, so tongues, I think, is an intimacy gift. Now, this is praying in tongues, not speaking in tongues. I'll get to that bit in a second. But praying in tongues, so a personal prayer language, is a gift from God for intimacy. Okay, so the Bible says that it builds up your spirit. It edifies your spirit. Okay, so if God is spirit and we're wanting to engage with the God who is the spirit, our spirit, you can understand, naturally would engage with God's spirit. Yes? Yes? Okay, we're in agreement here. Okay, so spirit God, spirit man in me, there's a natural engagement in that. Now, if I want to do that well and to be trained up to hear God, then it's my spirit that must be the one that is maturing and growing in that way. I can learn and study the Bible. The reality is even, even Jesus, you know, you study the scripture, but you miss me in the process, talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders. So they knew the Bible better than anybody, and yet they missed Jesus in the reading of it. So you can study the Bible, you should study the Bible, you should read it. It's a very, very good thing to do. But you can, you can be full of scripture and not full of the Holy Spirit, okay? And not be engaging with him and going in deeper levels of relationship and intimacy because God is not known... He can be known through the scriptures, but if you only know the God through the scriptures and you don't know him intimately, you're missing out. That's, that's like, that's a huge thing. It's, and it's literally like if I read everything about my wife and yet we never touched, we never kissed, we never spoke, we were never intimate in any way beyond me knowing everything about her. What kind of relationship is that? What kind of covenantal engagement is that? It's lifeless and fruitless. So praying in tongues builds up your spirit. It trains you. It's like a personal trainer for your spirit. You know, it's like doing exercises in a way and it builds you up to be able to have that engagement. It clears out uh, the pathway. It does not make you a super Christian. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6 uh, and onwards. And it, here Paul is talking about the kind of carnal-minded versus spiritually-minded Christians. Okay, so he says the, the, the mind of, no one knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God. Okay, and the Spirit of God searches out all the thoughts of God. And he says, no one knows the, the, the Spirit of a man, or the, like the true mind, apart from the Spirit of the man. So the actual, the, the deepest place of knowing and truth in you is your spirit. Okay, it's not your natural mind. Because your natural mind can take in a whole lot of other information. Okay, but your spirit, because the Holy Spirit dwells with your spirit, again, as it says in the Bible, that our spirit and Holy Spirit have come into oneness. They've come, come into covenantal relationship in that way. So the purest place of hearing from God is your spirit. So you want to hear from God? You've got to train your spirit to hear from God. You've got to build it up. You've got to edify it. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways is praying in tongues. Okay. Now, our minds need to be renewed. Uh, if you read through the book of Romans, Paul talks a lot about the renewal of the mind, the role of the mind uh, in, in transformation. So again, our natural mind absolutely 
is, should be engaged in that, but it's not exclusively that. Okay? It's also our spirit mind being awakened to that. So it says the Spirit of God knows all the thoughts of God. Okay? So it is the very mind of Christ. And it says you have the mind of Christ. Paul's not talking about your natural mind. He's talking about your spiritual mind because you have the very Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So you have access in your spirit to all the thoughts of God. Wow. Wow. God, what do you think about that? Well, let me search through the scriptures. Or I can just ask him and let him speak to me because I've trained myself in a way to be able to hear his voice. And it comes through my spirit's connection with God's spirit. Now, it doesn't disregard the scriptures. It doesn't bypass the scriptures in some sort of way. It doesn't contradict the scriptures. So please don't hear that I'm putting anything down. But I can guarantee you cannot understand the Bible unless you have the spirit of God bringing revelation to you okay look at all the different denominations that would disagree look at all the different religions that would even utilize the bible in in some way or the the wholeness of it okay and they can miss god in that process and in that journey we can't rely upon our natural minds to fully lead us into truth even jesus said jesus didn't say i'm going to send you the bible and the bible will lead you into all truth He said, I'm going to send the spirit of truth and he will lead you into all truth. It's the spirit of God that's going to lead you into truth. Okay, Not your own natural capacity, your intellectual capacity to engage with things. Again, so please hear me. I'm not disregarding any of that. I'm just saying there's actually a pathway that God has established for you to know him. Okay, Now you can try and find some other pathway to engage with him. But if he's set up a pathway, it's for a good reason. And it's going to be best for us. So tongues, praying in tongues, trains us to hear. It tunes our spiritual ears. All right. So now I want to go through three chapters of 1 Corinthians. So this would be good if you have a Bible with you. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, starting at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. If you haven't heard this before, the word gifts there is not in the Greek text. Okay, so it actually should say now concerning the spiritual. Now, obviously, it talks about gifts later on, so it's not unbiblical to have that word there. But it's Paul is saying now concerning the spiritual, the spiritual realm, the spiritual realities, I don't want you to be uninformed. And it says, you know, that you were once pagans led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is a curse. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So Paul is, again, giving a little note here to say, like if someone's coming in saying, Jesus be accursed or or, or whatever, like that's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, and he's saying and no one can, can genuinely say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. So there are parameters okay, that, that go with the moving and the speaking of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, it says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. So this word there where it says gifts in the Greek is charisma, okay, which, is, which is the root word of grace. Okay, it's where we get the word charismatic from. Okay, which means grace. So a charismatic isn't someone who likes amazing outpourings of holy spirit charismatic is someone who understands grace okay and what is grace it's the empowering presence of god it's the power of god in a situation to to enable you to do what you wouldn't otherwise be able to do without the spirit 
So there are a variety of graces, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who powers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, so Paul, as well in this, he's speaking against um, some sort of ideology at the church, in the church at that time, that there's lots of different kind of spirits that release these gifts. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. One Spirit, Holy Spirit, and he releases those gifts to every single person, okay? What's the purpose of the gifts being outpoured? <clears throat> it's so you can have amazing glory parties and get drunk in the Spirit and fall on the floor laughing, okay? That's the purpose. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, it is, it's given for the common good. Common, okay? Communal in that sense, yeah? It's for the communal good. Okay, so when God is releasing the gifts, it's not just for you. It's not so you can start up your healing ministry and be a, you know, a, a worldwide tele-evangelist. Okay, there might be the pathway that God has you on, but I'm saying it's not for your benefit. It is for the benefit of the common good, the releasing of the gifts. Okay, so if God has released the gift on your life, start utilizing it in community. If you feel, I think God's you know, released a healing gift to me, then start Praying for people. Don't wait for him to open up doors to have a healing ministry to start ministering to people in that way because it's what he's given it to you for and that will also exercise your gift in a safe place. Um, no one through, uh, is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. Sorry, to one is given the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. And he goes on, to another the various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. So he's saying to one person they might receive a gift, a grace from Holy Spirit to speak in a variety of tongues, okay? Now the word speak, speaking in a variety of tongues. It's not what it says there, but this is what he's talking about, okay? And to another the interpretation of tongues, okay? So if you need an interpreter... It means that there's not somebody in the room as the speaking in tongues is going on that is speaking in their natural language, okay? So it's a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues and it's a spiritual gift of interpreting tongues, okay? So the gift of interpretation is to interpret a spiritual language that is being released, okay? So it's not that God says, well, I've got the, in I've got the gift of interpretation. So, oh, they're, they're speaking in a tongue. They're speaking French. Bonjour. <laughs> I mean, we could always pick that up, you know. You got the gift of interpretation, Andrew. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, hey. Praise the Lord. Would you understand going back to the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Spirit, the gift of tongues? Now, it was in their natural language that they understood. Okay. So the question is, well, why would God give someone the ability to speak in a tongue and have no one in the room that it is their natural language? What's the point of that? Well, I think that there's a transition then where it becomes this language that is a heavenly language is declaring truths and beautiful things in the heavenly realms and then somebody has the ability to interpret and the reason they have the ability to interpret is for the common good so that everybody can understand what's going on. Yeah. So it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So it's up to the Holy Spirit to release it. And we're just going to skip from verse 12 down to verse 27. That's good stuff but not relevant for today. And it says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. Okay, so the, the assumption is 
Paul's saying, well, no, not everybody has all of those gifts, okay? Not everybody has the ability to speak in tongues. Okay? Now, the word there, speak, is laleo in the Greek, okay? Speak is laleo. Can everyone say laleo? What does laleo mean? Speak, hi, gift of interpretation, there we go. Hallelujah. Impartation is done. It says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So Paul's saying, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So again, when it comes to speaking in tongues, bringing revelation, love is always the highest priority. Okay? Love is the highest priority. But when he says here, speak in the tongues of men, okay, so speak in whatever language we're all hear, hearing, English, yes, or French, um, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So well, where is this coming from? I can only assume in the context of what he's talking about is this gift of speaking in tongues somehow has an angelic element to it. Okay, so he's speaking in the tongues of angels. Now, again, if you don't have love, if you're caught, and it's not like, oh, I love angels, so I'm going to speak in an angel tongue. It's saying if you're not rooted and grounded and established in love, if love is the core foundation of your life, then you're just going to make a whole lot of noise. And I wonder whether even when angels hear you speaking in their tongue and all they're hearing is like, can you hear that noisy clanging cymbal? That's so annoying. Shut up. Like... Stop that because there's no love in your heart. So everything that you're releasing is just, I don't know why, what it's about. But it's just nonsense or it's about your own self-promotion or it's about your own will and your own desires because you're not filled with love. Your life isn't built on a foundation of love. So then whatever is coming out is just making noise. So I wonder, now I'm not going to build the core of my theology on this, okay? But it seems to me that in the context of that scripture, that's what Paul's talking about. There's something of, a, of angelic language being released. And so then it makes me think as well, while the Lord wants me to talk on this, is because part of what we're doing, and Rachel's going to teach more into it in the coming weeks, is having this kind of regional mandate, like a focus on actually blessing the region that we exist in, okay? Is that the angelic... They are the ministers of God. Now, again, I wonder, this is side note, feel free to flush it. But I think sometimes when we, we ask Holy Spirit to do things, and I wonder where this goes, okay, I know what you're really asking. So angels, go and, go and bless that person. Go and, go and heal that person. Go and, go and do that thing. I wonder sometimes, you know, we think, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. I, this, I, actually, I actually think, Brad Joss, Brad Joss thinks, it's the angelic, because they are the ministers of God. Who gets freaked out by the idea of angels? Anyone? I was like, Ugh, little new agey, you know. How many times do you think angels are spoken of in the Bible? 176 times, okay? That's a lot, and that's a lot of times to ignore, <laughs> okay? So the angelic is not a new age thing. Angels are not new agey, okay? They are, they're very, very, very biblical, Okay. And I think that the ministers of God, so it says, I don't know where the scripture is, but he makes his angels, winds, his ministers, flames of fire. Fire, flames of fire, tongues of fire, Holy Spirit poured out. You know, like there's just there's all of this imagery that goes on. So we just need to stop being scared of the new age. They've stolen stuff. We need to take it back because it belongs to the people of God. So much in the new age has been robbed. 
And I mean, it is distorted and it is, there is perversion and there's stuff that we're not just like, oh, we'll just take anything spiritual. It's like, no, no, no. We need discernment. We need to be wise about these things. So you just say, oh, well, oh, you're a clairvoyant. Yeah, come in. We'll just, we'll just call it Holy Spirit. It's like, no, they can, people can be operating under the, a different spirit, okay? Which is why we need the gift of interpreting spirits. Now, it's interestingly, the gift of, and discerning spirits, sorry. It's interestingly, the number of people who would discern a spirit in someone, and they call that the gift of discernment, but they don't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit, which I just find interesting. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, um, okay, yeah, yeah, so we're talking about, oh, well, how do we know that that's not a, you know, that's not a, a, a bad spiritual prophet, you know, prophetic word. How do you know that's not a demon that's prophesying all this sort of stuff? It's like, well, okay, so you're, what you're doing is you're discerning what's going on there, Okay, but you don't necessarily believe that prophecy is for today, or you don't necessarily you know believe it's like unless you have the gift, it's this gift from God of discerning spirits, which means you have the ability to see in the spirit realm and to discern that spirit that is on that person is not God. It's not God's spirit. Okay, it's not from God that it's operating on. Okay, anyway, get off my horse. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so it says it goes on if i have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge if i have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love i am nothing well do you know what the word nothing in the greek means nothing okay if i give away all i have and if i deliver up my body to be burned and have not love i gain nothing love is patient kind envious yada 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 all right, verse 8, love never ends, okay? So as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now, again, this is key verse for cessationist teaching that would say the Bible has come, the Bible is perfect, so all of those gifts we are not for today, okay? It's not what it says, so it's a nice interpretation. I fully disagree because it also says that knowledge will pass away. Ooh, awkward. Okay. So what are you basing that on? Well, I'm basing that on my years of study of the Bible and my theological degree that would say, no, the gifts are not for today. Well, it's also saying that knowledge has passed away. Okay. So I don't know what you're basing anything on. Okay. That's crazy. When Jesus returns... Well, there'll be no need for a revelation of God through the prophetic. There'll be no need for uh, this, this ability to, to speak in other tongues because you'll have perfect communion with God. There'll be no need for knowledge because you will have access to the fullness of knowledge right before your face in the form of God himself. So when the perfect comes, the Bible is not perfect. I'll just leave it there. Um, and we love it. I'm so thankful for the scriptures. Okay. Um, but I, I just cannot, for the life of me, figure out how someone would think that they're talking about the Bible here. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, we all see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So he's talking about the now and the then, okay? So the now when we have these gifts that he's talking about, that he's encouraging, and then there's the then, okay, when they pass away, when the perfect comes, face to face, Okay. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. 
So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Okay. So Paul's saying, look, there's a time coming, Jesus returns, we don't need these things. Okay. But love will remain. So keep that as your highest priority. Okay. So we get Paul is nailing in love, 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 love. Yes, we understand. Okay. So then you think, okay, so we, let's just forget those things and let's just love. Okay. We'll forget about prophecy. We don't need tongues. We'll just love. And then Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire, burn with zeal. That's the Greek word where we get the word zeal from. Zealously desire, go hard after the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? The spiritual gifts, the things of the Spirit. So again, this is the word gifts isn't there, but go after the things of the Spirit especially that you may prophesy. For when one speaks in a tongue, he speaks not to men, but to God. So he speaks in a heavenly language, you would, you would see. So when God speaks in the spirit realm, I can imagine that the demonic and the angelic hear what he's saying without the need for interpretation. Okay? They don't have to tune in because their spirit, God is spirit. There's instant engagement with what he's saying. Now, we are spirit, soul, and body. We probably live sometimes too much in the soul or the, or the body, the mind, intellectual mind realm. We're not fully engaged in our spirit because we don't listen to Brad's sermon and, and pray in tongues enough. No, no, not really. Um. But we understand this, a heavenly language. When you speak in a tongue, you speak not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Okay. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now this, 1 Corinthians 14, this is again a go-to that would say, don't speak in tongues in the church. Now I've heard, you know, people would encourage to say, well, you shouldn't do it because what if a non-believer comes in? The Paul says, don't do it, okay? I'm going to just... We'll work our way through this. Okay, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Okay, so okay. Prophesy more than tongues. Yes, I agree. That's what Paul's saying. That's not good. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. Okay, Paul thinks that speaking in tongues is a good thing. His desire is that everyone would do it. Okay, but I want even more for you to prophesy. Okay, so it's not that we disregard it. Paul's just saying, well, highest thing, prophesy. Second, speak in tongues. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. So prophecy is greater than tongues unless someone interprets. So if you've got tongues and interpretation, you've got something that is better than prophecy. so that the church may be built up. So again, Paul is talking in a communal sense, in a corporate gathering. He's saying, we want people to be built up, whether believers or unbelievers, we want them to be increasing in this sense. So if you come in and one person just starts speaking out in a tongue that no one understands because they're speaking mysteries in the Spirit, and there's nobody there to interpret that, then everybody there, really it's a fruit, fruitless time. As I said to you, now I'm gonna, um, as a joke, I'm just going to speak in tongues for an hour. Now, if I did that and nobody interpreted, you'd just be like, mm, good for you, Brad. You, we just watch you have your spirit built up. But it's not, it's not building up. It's not building up the church. It's not edifying the body of Christ. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how, is, how would anyone know what is played? Verse 9, So with yourselves, 
If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So do what is best for the body, is what he's saying. Manifestations are for building up the church, not for personal gain or glory. So Paul's saying, you know what, it's a great thing that you're going after the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, okay? But can I ask you, if you're going to go after one that you're going to utilize in a corporate gathering, go after one that's going to be most beneficial in building up the body, not in building up self. So therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So again, you can get interpretation for your own tongues. It's cool. Now he goes on, verse 14. Here's the shift. It says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So he's gone from speaking in tongues. Now he says, now, for if I pray in a tongue, the word pray is prosukomai. Okay, so a different Greek word. Everyone say prosukomai. What does prosukomai mean? Pray. Okay, different than the Greek word? Lolo. Laleo, which means to speak, okay? So distinct in the text, in the Greek original text that it was written in, distinct words here. So Paul now shifts into praying in a tongue. And this is the heart of what I want to go to. So we're not talking about a communal thing, but we're talking about something that's going to build up your spirit. When I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, okay? So Paul's saying, I will do that, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. So when someone's on a stage, oh, they're praying in the spirit and there's people here they could get up. It's like, well, Paul's saying that's what he does. I'll, I'll praise even with my spirit. I'll sing out in tongues, but I'll pray and I'll, I'll sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? So again, Paul's not saying, well, when I go away and hide in my closet, when I do it in my alone time, when I pray in a spirit. No, Paul's talking about corporately, I'm going to pray with my spirit. It means people are going to hear what I'm saying, but I'm also going to pray in English. And I'm going to sing out praise. I'm going to sing out in tongues. Okay, And I'm also going to sing in English. So this morning we had an experience. We spent most of our time singing in English and there was moments where Rachel sang in tongues. Okay? But it's a prayer language. It's not, it has no purpose for the building up of people. Paul's not asking for an interpretation of his praying in the Spirit. Okay? There's no need for an, for an interpretation when it comes to praying in the Spirit because it is your spirit praying to God. My spirit prays, it says. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak. So now he's going back to speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues... 
So we shouldn't speak in tongues because it could freak out non-Christians. Well, Paul says tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Hmm. Well, that's different to what I've been taught. It's a sign for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues. Everyone say all. Okay, that's not just an English word that I've chucked in the translation. That is a Greek word. All. Okay. So Paul is saying if all speak in tongues when you come together, not one person but everybody, and outsiders or unbelievers enters, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Yes, I could assume that they would say that. Okay. But I'm talking about however many people are in this room. If somebody came in who didn't know Jesus and every single one of you was speaking out in a tongue, okay, for the whole time, everyone, that would be, that would be weird for me. <laughs> but you know, you can understand, well, okay, yes, this is not rocket science from Paul. He's saying, okay, think about it, guys. Okay, if, if all are speaking in a foreign tongue, how are they going to understand? But if all prophesy... And an unbeliever enters or an outsider enters, he, he is convicted by all and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Okay, so Paul's saying then, so all of you don't speak in tongues, but all of you should prophesy, whether all at the same time or as the Spirit gives utterance, okay? But he's saying, so it, it is better if everyone prophesies, okay? He's, he's drawing a contrast between two possibilities, okay? But he's not saying that that's therefore what you should do. He goes on, thus, um, oh, where, where we uh, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn or a lesson or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn, and let someone interpret. If there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, so again, people say, so we shouldn't have tongues in church. No, he's saying, look, if somebody has a tongue, they just feel like, like a prophetic, you know, sometimes you get a prophetic word, but I'm like, man, I've got to declare this, okay? But somebody comes up and just starts declaring in a tongue, okay? And there's no one there to interpret. Paul's saying, keep silence. But if you're going to do that, look, two or three, that's probably enough. You know, he's just speaking about order. He's saying, no, let the gifts go. Let them be released. Okay, but if you're going to do it, think about someone other than yourself. Think about people who might not know Jesus. Now, I understand that someone comes in and they hear an utterance of tongues. They're going to get maybe a little freaked out. Okay, but if someone stands up and gives a tongue and then someone gives an interpretation, someone else gives a prophetic word, this person's going to go, holy moly, these people are talking to God. <laughs> They're hearing from the Lord and it's a sign to them. So when somebody hears, hears the tongue and, they, and they, someone gives an interpretation, that person doesn't receive it. That's what he's talking about. It's a sign for unbelievers. Okay, It's something for them to engage with because the reality is people are going to hear the voice of God and disregard it. Okay, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Okay, so when it comes to prophecy, just two or three is probably enough. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. And I think he's saying the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophet. 
okay? So you've come up, I just have to speak this word. The Lord is demanding I speak it and no one must stand in the way. It's like, no, 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 buddy. That might not be your spirit talking. (laughs) That might be another spirit talking, okay? If you can't keep it in and 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 not have to say something then, it's saying, Paul's saying, no, no, your spirit is subject to yourself, okay? So, yep, there we go. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the church of the saints. We're not going to go into verse 34. You can read on about that later on. Those without Bibles will be going, what are you talking about? Okay, that's just for another time, maybe. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy. And when it comes to speaking in tongues, do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently in order. So if somebody says to you, they shouldn't be speaking in tongues in the church, you say, 1 Corinthians 14, 39. How dare you go against the command, the, the, you know, the Apostle Paul in, in, in forbidding that. How much of the church is in a place where they, not just, they don't just not encourage it, but they forbid it? Ouch! Not good. Paul's saying, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Do not do it. In all the churches that he oversees, he's saying, do not forbid it. Not okay. As well, I love, you know, sometimes people say, oh, no tongues. It's like, okay, but then do you do, do you do a lot of prophesying? Oh, no, we don't prophesy either. So some people, they're like, they, they, oh, there's certain things because we want to do it. And, we, you know, and, the, and the church becomes all about people and not about God. If God wants to say something and you've got a tongue to, to release and there's someone there to interpret, God wants to say something. And God is far more concerned about an unbeliever or a new Christian, you know, or someone getting saved. He's far more concerned than you are. Far more concerned. And I, and I think sometimes... You know, it's not that people have a problem with tongues. They have a problem with the Holy Spirit. A lot of the church doesn't have a problem with the manifestation. They've got the problem with the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit needs to be free to do what He wants. And people shut down. So we say, no, no, we don't want to prophesy. We don't want to freak people out. Who the hell are you to tell God what to do? It's the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. I will not stand in the way of God doing something. Okay? The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? So that means, I, don't, I just don't want to be against God. <laughs> I can't be against God. And if you've got a problem with the Holy Spirit, you've got a real problem. That's a, that's a big problem. Okay. All right. So there we are. Do we feel like we've got, a, we've got a, a, a good understanding of these things and particularly when you might come against people now i'm a saying to get into a you know fisticuffs with people about this and i know more than you and the bible and all that sort of stuff i'm just saying so you might not talk to anyone about this but at least you know and you've got a grounding to say but this is it's a gift from god it's what the spirit wants to release as he desires to release and it's something that is designed to build up the body of christ okay and that's not to build up in terms of expand it's to build up mature okay it's about maturing the body of christ and for me personally i just feel like there's been a shift in my prayer intensity and my authority 
okay? And I, feel, I just feel more encouraged to be praying in tongues. So, and I'll be driving and I'll just start praying in tongues. And sometimes I get a sense of what's going on, but I just know that it's just building me up and it's, and it's positioning, positioning me into that place of, of promotion and authority. Okay, I feel like in the spirit there's been a promotion for us. Okay, and this is not something to say, oh, look at us. Uh, it, it's a promotion into greater service. Okay, so it's a downward, downward promotion because that's the way of the kingdom. So God is positioning us now a little lower than what he had us before. We're, we're a little more on our knees, we're a little closer to the floor. Okay, as a people, so he's positioning us lower, and that's our promotion. But if God, when God promotes you to a place, you also need to walk in that promotion. And some of that, if in any way my spirit is lagging behind in maturity for that place of promotion, then I've got to make sure that I'm building in that intensity and focusing in to say, I've got to train up. This happens in workplaces. You know, people, they get given a new position of authority. I know I was talking to Tim Hurry, you know, Tim McCather oversees our kids' ministry, and he, he got given a promotion at work, and now he goes through like management training and different things like that. So there's something to say look, we see what's on you, and we've given you promotion, but now we're going to train you to operate most effectively in that place. And I just feel like there's, a, there's God desires for us to be really intentionally pressing in, not in, in praying and declaring with our natural mind and our tongues, but praying and declaring in the Spirit, in our prayer life, that would build us to be walking in the authority that he's released us into in that greater measure of service for the region tongues is a beautiful gift of intimacy but it's also a beautiful gift of warfare okay i know for me i've been in times where i'll be praying in tongues like with someone and then it just shifts and i start praying in in a different kind of tongue you know and it's just like and you feel that kind of urge and it's like you're war and you're breaking stuff because everything that you're praying out it's mysteries in the spirit it's heavenly language it's the angelica going He's saying something we need to listen to because the Spirit of God is praying and releasing something there. This is when it comes to intercession. You know, what a vital tool in doing this because I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even know what to pray. And sometimes even in praying in tongues, we get out of the way so our will is not involved and doesn't inhibit the very work that God wants to do. And I wonder sometimes even when we pray in tongues, we're praying stuff that we would never say. Because we would not have the boldness <laughs> or the freedom or the, or the security to actually do those things. Okay. All right. I feel like I've said enough. And I just want to pray for anyone who wants to receive the gift of tongues this morning. That, that, and more focus in on that personal prayer language of baptism in the Spirit. So we're going to do that now.